we're good. What I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes, is that functioning correctly, darling? Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll just have to trust it to do the best that it can. Kind of like I'm going to trust y'all with me. But uh, what our title of our message is this morning is our reasonable service, and it is only reasonable that we, as God's children, God's people, should serve our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have examples of that. Not only uh, in Scripture, but we, we, have, we have examples of that in what I was talking about earlier about our founding fathers. Now I want to read you just a few of our founding fathers' quotes. And I want you to realize the sacrifice that those men, women, boys, and girls over 200 years ago were willing to give for our country. The freedom that we have when we, when we went through the Revolutionary War and we won our freedom wasn't free. Freedom is never free. Freedom is always expensive. It always costs and sometimes costs very dearly for us to have. Patrick Henry said this, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the very gospel of Jesus Christ. So our founding fathers realized that it wasn't just the bullets that were coming out the ends of the guns. But it was like little David standing on the field of battle with Goliath. Who even though Goliath was four feet or maybe five or six feet taller than little David. And little David only had a slingshot with a few little stones, a few little rocks. And this big, huge giant had a shield and a sword and all of his might and all of his power. Very similar to the way America was standing against the British on that faithful day in the fields here of America. We didn't stand really much of a chance when you think about who we were and who they were. But the truth of the matter is, is that it wasn't we who did not stand much of a chance, but it was rather the nation of England who had absolutely no chance whatsoever. And it was because we were not the enemy, but that they had made God their enemy by coming against a nation that wanted to be built on freedom and on the foundational fundamental principles of the oracles of God. And, and the things that we hold near and dear today, that actually we are allowing them to slip through our fingers like sand in the hourglass. But it is the truths of the Word of God that this nation was built on. George Washington in his farewell address to the nation said this, Do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. Now, I'm sure that there's at least one or two people here in the congregation that that takes by surprise because we have grown up in a day when there is a separation of what? Church and state. 
Church and state. You've heard that all of your lives from our youth up. Even me at 65 years old, I grew up with a, with a doctrinal teaching from the schools, from the liberal schools even of my day that taught young children and not only in the educational buildings of higher learning and the Harvards and the, the things of, of the world, but even in our elementary schools. There was a teaching of there was a separation of church and state and that government and religion should not mix. And there is nothing farther from the truth in America. Certainly our government was built upon the foundational fundamental truths of the oracles of the Word of God. And even our first president of the United States, George Washington, in his farewell address realized that and said don't let anybody claim tribute of American patriotism. In other words, don't let them claim to be a patriot of America if they claim that religion and politics should be separated, I know. Well, I thought that that was one of our, uh, in the Bill of Rights and maybe in the Declaration of Independence or in the, in the Constitution, somewhere in there, that there was a law that was written, separation of church and state. Do you realize that the word separation, church or state, is not in the Constitution? It is not in the Bill of Rights? That is not written there. That was written in a Danbury uh, Baptist Association, written a letter written by Jefferson, President Jefferson. And what President Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson said, he said, I, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that there is legislature, that uh, their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion so that our government is not to respect the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise Thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Now, that's not in any of our Declaration of Independence, Constitution, or Bill of Rights. That's in a Danbury uh, Baptist Associational letter that was written by our president. Well, what does he mean in that letter then? That that, that part of our Bill of Rights says that the government shall make no or establish no religion prohibiting the free exercise of religion, nor uh, hindering you know, the exercise of it or establishing the exercises of it. We're, we're supposed to have a government that stays out of religion, amen? amen? But we are not supposed to have a religion that stays out of government. You see, that Danbury Baptist Association letter made a one-directional wall. One direction. It's like a one directional mirror. You can see through it from one side, but you can't see through it from the other side. And that wall says that it has blinded the government from what goes on in the church. And they're not supposed to have any say-so about our religion. They're not supposed to make a law that establishes or prohibits the free exercise of religion. And yet, that wall is one directional to where the church is supposed to have influence in our government and in our religion. I mean, in our government and in the presidency and the Constitution, all of those things, they were built on those fundamental truths. The thought of sac sacrifice runs through the books of the Bible like a crimson thread. As a matter of fact, I know of a book called The Crimson Thread. Sacrifice has two general aspects. First, the sacrifice of God. Secondly, the sacrifice to country. 
We sacrifice our lives to the glory and honor of God. We pour out every inch, every ounce, every fiber of our being for His glory. We sacrifice for Him. Now, I know that's not preached from America's pulpit very much anymore. We don't think... Well, I, I remember when these two churches, of course, we were down there for 12 years. Now we've been here for 12 years. So I've been pastor of this church that was split for 30 years. I've been pastor of it for the past 24 years. And 12 years ago, uh, the pastor here passed away. My congregation was asking, well, why don't we talk to them about getting back together? I said, well, people have tried that. Not, not, not very good. Not very uh, well received in the past. Well, let's try it again. We tried it. God did it. Amen. God did it. God brought this church back together after 30 years of a split. Brought a reconciliation. But we understand that uh, that, that sac- I asked the people when we got together uh, they wanted to know, well, how is this going to work? I said, we're, we're going to have to sacrifice. The people here at this building, this church, they're going to have to make some sacrifices. The people that come from that down to here, we're going to have to make some sacrifices. And that we're going to have to build a brand new work that glorifies and honors God and not people. And put Him first in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives. Yes, and even in our church. And if we can do that, then this will be successful. And you look around and you see what God has done neither one of those churches during those thirty years of split never got over about you know twenty or thirty uh, people in it at any given time and it would always rise up to twenty or thirty and then it would die down to eight or ten until I believe I believe you told me at one time this church was just about to close its doors I know another church that uh, told me they did close their doors just recently and, and those are happening to churches all over the country but you realize one of the things that is necessary. For a church to survive is sacrifice. And you don't realize or you don't hear the pulpits preaching sacrifice to the congregation. And just like the people ask me, well, what do you mean? What do you mean we need to sacrifice what? I don't understand why we have to sacrifice anything. Well, the church people down there did things one way. The church people up here did things another way. And you can't do them both ways. Somebody's going to have to make some concessions. Somebody's going to have to make some sacrifices. May I say that that is true in our nation. There had to be some sacrifices. First of all, a sacrifice to God. God, we give our hearts and our lives, our homes, our families, our wealth. And and these men were literally, some of them were very wealthy people. They lost their farms. They lost their lands. They lost their children. They lost their wives. They lost their husbands. They lost their businesses. They sacrificed everything to found this country on the biblical principles that ensured its safety throughout the 200 some odd years that it has been here so far. And I hope that it will be that long again. But secondly, it's not only sacrifice to God, but it's sacrifice to country. And I read to you about the sacrifices that those men, women, boys, and girls, and that these founding fathers had made. Both are voluntary acts. We've got to make a decision in our hearts and minds that we're willing to do it. We're willing to give. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to surrender our wants, our sometimes even needs, Sometimes even our lives in order to make the things of God first in our lives. Both are voluntary acts and so become a revelation of our character, who we are. Are we Americans? Well, what is an American? Boy, I'll tell you what. 
Right now we're asking, what is a woman? I'm sorry. I, I know that in a, in a general sense there's some humor to that, but I find very little. It, it actually makes me want to do what the young man did in our parking lot last night. Only in my hat. I, I, just, I just can't believe that America has fallen so far from its lofty heights. I, I can't imagine how we, as God's children, you see, we, we can't point a finger at that, that lost, degenerate world out there that's allowing those things to take place in our nation. It's, it's not them. God, the Bible says, uh, Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. You understand it? It's we who are the children of God who have fallen away from God who has allowed our nation to be taken captive by this godless system and this godless group of people that are in control of it, in charge of it now. But it's not only our founding fathers and our men, women, boys and girls in the military that are spilling their blood even around the world today as we speak. But we also understand the sacrifice of our Heavenly Father. Now you can look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2 and you'll find these words. It says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. As Christ loved us, we should walk in the same type of love that Christ walked in when He hath given Himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. I want you to picture this now. Here Christ is hanging on a cross. He's been beaten to shreds. You've seen the movie, The Passion of Christ. If not, you need to watch it. Uh, it's hard to watch, I'll, I'll grant that. But it's worth the watch. It's worth the sacrifice to cause yourself, to make yourself, to look upon that and make yourself look up. I went, to the, I went to the theater with a group from our church years ago when it first came out. I'd already seen it. I was a chaplain at the prison and I had the disc and I was showing it at the prison out there and I had seen it, but it wasn't the same as on the big screen. And I found it hard for me to pick my head up and make myself look hard. Hard to do. But I looked. I made that sacrifice because He was willing to make that sacrifice for me. And it's the same love wherewith He loved me that I love Him. And if I love Him and I watch that and I know what He did for me, how can I turn my back? How can I live a life that dis disregards what it is that He was willing to do for me. Walk in love as Christ hath also loved us and gave Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice. And as He hung on that cross in ribbons and shreds, beaten and bleeding and dying, the Bible says that God is standing over Him, over that cross, smelling the aroma of that sacrifice, smelling the aroma of that Blood, that beating, that death. And he's, he's almost the sweet-smelling savor. Do you understand? I 
how? How can you watch your son? Because his love for us. How can you allow that to take place? Because of his love for us. And the great love that he had for us, we should have for him. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 reads like this, Who gave himself, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God the Father. So God the Son was willing to go to the cross, give up heaven, put on flesh, become a man, live a 33 years sinless, perfect life, go to the cross, shed His blood, and die for our sins, that He might raise again for our justification, and ascend back into the heavens, and sit at the right hand of the throne of God, to pray for me. And then God the Father was willing to allow His Son to go to that cross and to shed His blood and to die to pay the price because the wage of sin is death. And all of us owe a price to God the Father. And God the Father is not satisfied with I'm sorry. God is not satisfied with us dropping a dollar in the plate. The wage of sin is death. And the price, the only price that God would accept was the wage of sin. Either we, we pay our own wage and it takes us an eternity in a lake of fire, or God gave up His Son to die in our stead, to pay our wage, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Second Corinthians 5.21 reads like this. For He hath made Him. My favorite verse. I believe this is, is my favorite verse in all of the Bible. And I have like a hundred favorite verses. But this is my favorite of favorites. God made Him to be sin for us. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin. God literally turned His Son into sin. It's not that He went to the cross and bore our sin, but He literally became our sin. God made Him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the Gospel in a word, in a sentence, in a verse. God made Christ. To become my sin so that God the Father might pour out His wrath on my sin which was His Son instead of pouring out His wrath on me. How dare I? How dare I turn my back on the Son of God who was willing to die in my stead? You know, the Bible says that except a, a wheat, they, I think the Bible calls it a corn of wheat, but it's a seed. You know, a wheat seed. Fall to the ground and die. Is that right? Unless the wheat seed falls to the ground and dies, then there's not going to be any wheat. Jesus Christ was that seed. And He was planted. His blood, His life was planted. His body was planted in the ground. He physically gave up 
heaven and put on flesh and became a man went to the cross and shed his blood he physically died but not only did he physically die and get buried in the ground or in a tomb for my in my stead but but he also died spiritually what's the difference between physical death and spiritual death physical death is when the body is separated from the spirit on the inside separation is death and physical death is the the spirit of man vacating the premises of the body the body hitting the ground being turned into dirt and the soul going on forever, eternity, somewhere in heaven or hell. But spiritual death is also separation. And it is our sin that has separated us from God. But Jesus Christ not only died on the cross physically, but when He hung there on the cross, what was the words that He cried? Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Me who knew no sin. Oh, I became sin that they might become the righteousness of God. Purposefully, willingly, went to the cross, shed his blood, and died as a corn of wheat. He gave himself for us. My friend, if He gave Himself for us, how surely must we be willing to give ourselves for Him? Or do we try to find ways out of that? Yeah, but He's going to love me anyway. Oh, do you you hear the screams? Do you hear the screams of lostness from that? Do Do you hear the serpent's lift off of those lips? They say, oh, He lived for me, but I don't have to live for Him. He lived for me that I might have life, that I might enjoy this life, that I might have life and more abundantly and certainly. Life more abundantly means more life that I enjoy. I can, I can be me. I can be free. I can, I, 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 I can do what I want to do. Certainly, you can. As a matter of fact, you cannot not do what you want to do. You have free will. And you will do your greatest desire at any given moment in your life. But my friend, thinking walking an aisle and taking a preacher by the hand, being dunked in a tub of water is going to get you to heaven while you live like hell for the rest of your life is insanity. It's just as insane as a nation thinking because we're built upon the fundamental foundational principles of the oracles of the Word of God, because we as a nation are built upon the backs and the blood of young men and women who have died for our freedom, that we cannot lose this. I'm not saying that you can have salvation and lose it. You can have a nation and lose it. But if you don't have salvation, you don't have salvation. And it's not that you had it because you believed in God. It's not believing in God, but it's believing God that changes your destiny from hell to heaven. Do you believe what God says? Do you believe the Word of God? How can we? We don't know what He says. We spend more time reading the morning newspaper than we do the Word of God. We have no concept, no idea what it is that God demands from us. We come on Sunday mornings. We listen to Sunday morning salvation gospel type messages. 
But we don't come to Sunday school. We don't come to Sunday nights. We don't come to Wednesday nights to study the Word of God and the doctrines that teach us how to live a life that brings glory and honor to God and what it is that God doesn't request from us, but what it is that God demands from us. One day we'll stand before Him. One day we'll give an account for that. That scares me to death. Oh, not for me. For others. For family, for people I love, for people I know who have no concept, no, no devotion, no commitment, no submission, no surrender, no love. What it boils down to is no, no love for the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. Well, we, we've seen that we have the sacrifice of our founding fathers, we have the sacrifice of our Heavenly Father and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now we're talking about the sacrifice of ourselves. And that is where Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 comes in. I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Oh, but we love this world. We, we don't want to be unconformed from it. But you cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot love God and mammon. Beseech thee, I beg you, therefore, is what that says. I'm begging you, wake up. And I ain't talking about being woke. I'm talking about being awake to the things of God, to the holiness, to the righteousness, to the purpose, to the plan, to the will, to the glory of God. I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, we understand what mercy is. God giving us what we don't deserve. God gives us love and forgiveness and all of those things that we like. Well, well that's, that's grace. That's right. Well, God giving us grace is giving us what we don't deserve. But God giving us mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We deserve hell. And God took that for us. He died in my stead that I might live for His glory. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Oh, not, not my pocketbook. Don't, don't he just want a dollar? And doesn't he want you know, a tithe? Can, can I get away with a tithe? Well, they did in the Old Testament, but that's just a starting place for the new. God doesn't even demand a tithe from you now. He demands a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Oh, well, that, that left me out of the tithes. <laughs> I give it, boy, but it ain't very pleasurable. If, if it ain't good to give, then keep your money. Go to Walmart. Buy your wife a hat. At least you'll get a hat out of the deal. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, am, I am called by God not to tell you what you want to hear, but to tell you what you need to hear. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do this. Because, but by the grace of God, there, God. I mean, I understand that when I point a finger out, I've got nine of them pointing back at me. I, I know who I am. I understand to the to the depths, to the core of my being, who I am and how far short I fail. And if I fail that far, I understand that others there uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. We are all sinful human beings. 
And we need to bring ourselves under that microscope and hold ourselves, our feet to that fire that we might feel the weight of what it was that Christ paid in our stead. That we might have a burning desire and a hunger to be faithful to Him in a way that very few really, really are. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, but present it not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Well, why not a dead sacrifice? You mean He's not calling me to go to the battlefield and to die? Well, He may. I don't know. But right here in the spiritual realm, He's calling us to live a life not to die a death. Well, to die a death to the flesh, to die a death to the world, to die a death to the old me. But to be raised in newness of life, to live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. I beseech thee, therefore brethren, that means Christians, people who have bent the knee and bowed their head and surrendered their hearts and their lives, their souls, everything that they are to everything that He is. He's talking to us. Those who go by the name of Christ. Oh, unless you're wearing a name that doesn't belong to you, you realize that's... That's more than blasphemy. That's, that's using the name of God in vain. I've taken unto myself the name of God for nothing. Vain. I call myself a Christian, but I'm not really a Christian. Christians follow Christ. They obey Him. They love Him. They surrender to Him. They live for Him. But I've violated that. My heart, my home, my family, and my life, my business, my time, my pleasure, my treasures... Everything that I am. I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That I bring myself, my body, not to the death or the cross, but literally to live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you understand God's not asking you to do something that is unreasonable? Why is that not unreasonable, preacher? It sounds unreasonable to me. I don't want to do it. I'm sure Christ, when He was in the garden sweating great drops of blood, was thinking about how much He really wasn't looking forward to His cross. And yet He went to His cross for us. We should go to our cross willingly. For him. Just the way our founding fathers, just the way the men, women, boys, and girls in the military go overseas, sent my 19 year old, now 20, just turned 20 the other day, to California, San Diego, California, joined the Marines in basic training now. Don't know what's going to happen to him, but he's willing to go, and I'm thankful for it. Just as Christ was willing to give up heaven, put on flesh, become a man, go to the cross, he went to his cross. God has called us. To bear our cross, come, let us take up our cross and follow after Him. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in, in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I love Him. Do you love Him? Really? Do you really love Him? Are you willing to die? Oh, not physically. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your body as a living sacrifice. But are you willing to die for Him spiritually, fleshly, worldly? Die to the things of this flesh that He and He alone might be glorified in you. Let's pray.
Father, we love you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for this time that we've had together here this morning. Thank you for those that have come out. God, thank you for those that were not able to make it but had a desire. God, we pray for those that had the opportunity but chose not to come, not only here but anywhere. God, we pray that you'll bless them with conviction and illumination, that you'll draw and save. God, we'll give you the glory for all of those things. Lord, help us to be submissive to your will, not only on Sunday mornings, but God, every day. Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. We we are bought with a price more precious. We are not our own. We are not our own. We have been bought by your blood. Help us, God, to live as though we do not own our lives. Help us to sacrifice it for your glory. We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can I ask you?